educators, we love kids. Tall kids, 18-year-old kids, preschool kids, cute little kindergarten kids, really funny, awkward middle school kids. We love kids. And it was really, really hard to stay focused on What's up, guys? I'm here to tell you this episode is brought to you by CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a new, fast-growing, tech-enabled, well-capitalized, community-powered alternative to traditional health insurance. Founded by Andy Schoonover, a proven founder and entrepreneur with a successful track record, including a $100 million-plus exit. By the way, Andy's been on this podcast in the past. CrowdHealth uses the power of crowdfunding, member ratings, unlimited choice and huge cash pay discounts to provide a simple considerably less expensive solution to managing your medical bills crowd health gives you full agency and sticks with you no matter where you move or what jobs you take on you've heard of big pharma but you may not know big insurance is actually the man behind the curtain with 12 of the last 15 heads of the FDA taking jobs in big pharma and 64% of its funding coming from private industry, don't hold your breath waiting for the government to save the day. It's safe to say our system's broken. It's time to take your well-being into your own hands, and CrowdHealth helps you do just that. You'll pay into your individual account monthly, and if you ever want to leave, you'll simply pay a $250 closing fee, and they will return the entire balance in your account to you because it's your account because it's crowdfunded we all have a vested interest in each other's health they even cover up to three hundred dollars a year in routine wellness visits so far for every one hundred dollars members have paid into their accounts an average of only thirty dollars has been paid out so you can expect to see your money grow in your account over time take that big insurance Join today by visiting joincrowdhealth.com and using the promo code KLP to pay only $99 a month for the first three months. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code KLP. Joincrowdhealth.com, get you some. Y'all good, Nate? Excited, excited let's, to be here, man. Let's go. So, um, like I mentioned, the kids wanted to come down and see you when they heard that you were going to be on the podcast because you, you were the principal at the local school here, um, which I would think means that you were doing a great job. And I know you were doing a great job because they talked about you. And apparently you knew, like, all of the kids' names somehow. I tried really hard. Not all of the kids all the time. But it's okay. one of those things where just pick one kid, one name okay. a day. Because there's power in a name. Absolutely. You know? And it's yeah. like when you, you know, the negative side is you want you, you're like, hey, kid, hey, kid. Nobody mm-hmm. turns on. You're like, Timmy. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, and the same thing. If you want to speak truth into the life of a child, got to be able to know them. Yeah. Name them. I'll just How many kids that. were at that school? Um, we fluctuated between our lowest was 420 okay. after COVID. And then we're around like 466. Okay. okay. So for around here, that's like mid, mid-sized mid yep. elementary. In public school, elementary, Creef Hall Elementary School. Yeah. And when did you get there? Go Cardinals. Six and a half years ago. Okay. So yeah. what year was that? 
2023 <laughs> minus is that? Uh, two, I you 2016. Yeah. 2016. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. So um, I did see in 2018 it was the elementary school of Davidson County, like voted number one. Yeah, we were really excited about that. I don't I'll even know how that happens. Niche.com. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, you got to have some part play in that, I would they think. Showed it. Well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you think of a school, who do you think of? Teachers. Uh, yep. Schools are made by teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not made by one person. Mm-hmm. One person is important. One person impacts a lot. But the work that's done, how your kids, your kids are excited to go to Creve Hall. You know, once I left, they weren't like, I hate school. No, yeah. it's. It's a collection. It's a group of people. It's an energy. It's a feeling. Yeah. Type yeah. Thing. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. And how did Creve Hall get such great teachers? Because we feel like um, our kids just have the best teachers. Yeah. I mean, they're really great. Yes. I mean, my goodness. Yes. Uh, they're, we can't really imagine them having better. So how does that happen? Like in a public school, I can't imagine that all of the, all of the public schools have teachers that great is is a print, does the principal have something to do with that? or? Yeah, I, it depends on the district. So with Metro, they basically said, your school, make it happen. It's mm. your head on the chopping block. Hmm. And when I got there, it, I, it was my very first year was really open with people. There had been people who had been there forever. And they're driving in from all over town. And people are like, my commute used to be 15 minutes. Now it's 45. I mean, you guys are recent-ish Nashvilleian yep. transplant. And it's yep. like, well, it says two miles and it's 15 minutes. What's going on? Yeah. That type thing. And so my first year, I was just trying to be really open with people to say, if you are working hard, if you are loving kids, if, if you are, I mean, education is all about serving other people's mm-hmm. children. If you're doing that well, why is I, as your leader, why would I not do everything I can to help you get to where you want to be? And then kind of also in the back of my mind, just throw up that Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I know you're going to provide great people. Okay. And so the end of the summer of my first year, we lost almost half the staff. And I'm like, well, this no was a way. fun job. I'm going to get fired. Because you were new, you think? Um, so what people told me to my face was, hey, I've got this opportunity. There's a job closer to home. I'm having a baby. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just want to go and see if this will work. And I'm like, great, 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 great. Mm-hmm. But God was faithful. I mean, I, I, I really, because I've thought about it a lot, I really struggled to think of there were so many times over the course of the years, because there's, there's always some turnover, you know, two, three people, that type of thing, where I'd be like, there's no way we can replace this person. This was, this is just a huge blow, and it always was. And I can talk about God on your podcast, right? I think David that's okay. okay, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We've had passes on here before. Right. People have said much worse things on this podcast. <laughs> I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> Myself included, I'm sure. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it was one of those things where God always brought somebody in that just knocked our socks off. Hmm. And, and I think that that was just, again, God didn't design planet Earth around me, but I'm selfish. I think about myself a lot, and I'm constantly looking and my experiences and saying, oh, there is a creator. There is a father, God, who loves me. And he's shown that again. I kind of got off, kind of got off topic there. But then the other thing that, that I did that I think is genius that I don't think a lot of people do. I told the teachers, hey, who do you want to work with? Who do you know? Who do you know? Mm. 
I mean, smart. nobody's going to say like, I've got this really terrible teacher friend that I really like that I want right. to bring to our team. Cause I want everyone on our team to be like, how could you bring this person? People are like, yep. no, I know this really good person. They'd love to work here. And so it's public schools. Nashville is it's crazy. It is. It's not like how it was where I grew up in Indiana it's totally different, but it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When people are like, Oak Creek Hall's a good school, mm. then they go there and they're like, I'm at a good school. Uh. And they act like they're at a good school. And they have expectations for the teachers. And they have expectations for their kids. And it just continues to go around. That's and very around. interesting, that idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy. And then also teachers start to hear about this being a good school to teach at because there was someone exactly. that we go to church with who was teaching somewhere else at a in Metro, and she was saying she's trying to get in at Creve Hall, and I was like, well, Dr. Miley's not there anymore, <laughs> so I don't know how, who to talk to or put in a good word for you, but, you know, if, I'm happy to give you a reference or whatever because yeah. she's great, but that said to me, like, there's some teachers trying to teach there also. Like, they're trying to get in too, so that would just be part of that great, you know, spiral upward. Yeah, um, and I would say this too, and, and I did beat this drum while I was in Metro, if you go to a, to an elementary school metro that you would say that's that's a place that I wouldn't want my kids at and you talk to the kids there and you talk to the parents there they're happy mm. there's i think it's somewhat of a myth I shouldn't say that there are kids that just come from i mean things that uh, that I wouldn't know how to respond that I would just lose my mind day in day out type situations Overall, like, I think there are hard situations that schools deal with. I think there are some schools that deal with more difficult conversation, more difficult situations. But I, I don't think there's "quote unquote" a bad school in Metro. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's great to hear. Elementary schools. I should that, only stay in my lane. Okay. Elementary schools. Elementary schools. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. You're like, even I think I'm somewhat surprised to hear that. I well, guess, okay. Maybe. So here's a good example of that. So the two main, ele so Norman Binkley Elementary is less than a mile from Creve Hall. Mm -hmm. The demographics between the two schools, so Norman Binkley was 90% EL, meaning students are coming, they're speaking two languages, so English is not necessarily their first language. 90%? 90%. Whoa. So you think about Creve Hall's 25%. So you think about which which cohort of kids we're going to give a test in english who's going to perform mm -hmm. Duh, mm -hmm. you know we should be performing higher well and then you go down the road to over like by the nashville soccer stadium fall hamilton they're like 90 percent kids coming from poverty and it's like that's what you get with this huge metro thing but it's like when, sorry it's like i'm trying not to you got you don't edit this. I know. This <laughs> yeah, that's bad. that's on there forever, man. What are you trying to get rid of? A little verbal tick or what? What's wrong with saying it's like? Ah, I just hate it. You don't I like do, when I people just, are like I, it's like it's like. I tr I try to sound. Yeah, yeah. I don't act professional, so I like to sound yeah. and dress professional. You know, this hey, is, you dress great. This is my armor. Yep, yep. I don't even remember what I was saying. But anyway, <laughs> oh, so Norman Binkley. So when I came in, there were families that were actively trying to get out of Norman Binkley to come to Creve Hall when families would move in. And I would real close to the principal over there and I would e send him the emails of the people be like, Hey, you need to get these people in your building because once you get into a place oh, okay, and your kids, if your kids are happy somewhere, yep. even if you think it's garbage, you're going to think twice before you're like, we got to go. 
get out of here. That's interesting. Because it's about feelings. Mm -hmm. We make decisions based on feelings. Mm -hmm. School's based on feelings. Hmm. How long have you been in education and why did you get into it to begin with? I jumped in right at the gate. Who doesn't like a good story? I don't know. If you're listening to this podcast, this episode, I'm really sorry if you don't like stories or dumb (laughs) jokes because I throw those in a lot. (laughs) So my dad was a high school teacher, high school football coach. My mom was a high school Spanish teacher. I grew up seeing what growing up in an education family was like. So I was like, I'm going to be a doctor, but I like kids. So I'm going to be a pediatrician. And then in high school, I took biology and I said, I need to find a different path for my life. (laughs) And then (laughs) I turned to what I knew, education. Um, And I really wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. I just Mm. love, love the kids, how innocent they are, how excited they are. They never run out of energy. And then having kids and having kindergartners, I'm like, oh man, that was... Yeah, I need to enjoy older kids. They're just like, I need some space now. That was a dad joke. <laughs> um, and then, of course, in the course of graduating and getting married at 22. And back in the day, let's see here. So I graduated in 2006. So I was able to get a house, get married, and that, and get a, yeah, get approved for a house before I even had a job. That was when they look at you mm. and be like, all right. You'll be able to pay about this much. You're like, great. Let's what did do they it. approve you from if you had no job? Oh, this was this Your was education. And then the the bubble burst. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, I was one of those people. Wow. Yeah, it was so crazy. They did that back then. Yeah, they're like, oh, a teacher makes about this. Okay, here you go. It's wild. And you would have no job, and they would approve you for a house. Yeah. Wow. Based that on is wild. Yeah, you're gonna. Get I a heard job. that with doctors, but I thought they were like the only exception. I, they don't do that now. No, they don't. That's do, crazy. Yeah. No, yeah. goodness, no. That's crazy. Yeah. So in, so what year did you start teaching then? So fall of 2006, I was a first grade teacher, taught first grade for three years, was such an amazing reader. I instantly got promoted to fifth grade. Uh Mom was so proud of my reading (laughs) skills. And um, it was actually one of the things in education is you get fired a lot. We don't call it you're getting fired a lot. We call it because your job is based on the number of kids you have in a building. So as population changes, as people come and go, you know, you have to shift people around. So it's like I was 22 had or 23 at that point. The last one hired. So like, adios. But I didn't really uh, understand okay. it at the time because uh-huh. I was 23. Huh. The male brain not fully developed till it's 26. Yep. Lord spared me some stuff at that yep. point and was able to get a job in another school teaching first grade and then was trying to get into some leadership stuff and Jumped over into fifth grade, loved it, mm. loved it. Was there four years, was an assistant principal at a really, really urban, very difficult um, elementary school. Loved the kids, loved the people. We moved down here after that, and when we moved down here, we, we weren't here very long before my wife was like, you're different. I was like, what do you mean I'm different? She's like, you're, you're just different, like you're happier. And it was just being involved in the toxicity of that stress constantly families of from the school back home yes yes so that was a that was a more toxic school environment it it was so it was in it was in urban well it was northern indiana it was a prior it was a gm or chrysler i want to say it was a chrysler town Hmm. or gm town and they pulled out and the town just died i mean there's blown out meth houses all over this place 
you know, I mean, there's gangs, there's just nothing. There was just nothing in this place. And so going in there and I mean, it, I mean, I, I remember I had this kid this one day, he just cold cocked this kid in the face, knocked this kid out. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? And he's like, he said something to me. I'm like, uh-huh. You know, constantly having to talk to kids and they're like, well, my mama says, you know, if somebody hits me, you hit him back. And I'm like, yes, your mom is right. Like if you're outside, if you're at the park and you don't have anybody to help you hundred percent, but at school, you can't do that. Yeah. At your job, you can't do that. Like having to teach these kids that there's two worlds they have to walk in and they're like seven and eight. It's yeah. just crazy. Wow. So when you say well, you, you, you were t- speaking well of Metro Nashville schools, but then what needs to be said, what I'm just hearing also is they're not all the same. Right. So, you know, someone may choose to go Metro Nashville public school, and that might be a great choice for them. But in other parts of the country, they might be they might have a public school system around them that's probably or that could be best to stay away from. Is that accurate? Yeah. So it's real location dependent. So you can't really paint with broad strokes here. You can't. And and it's how are schools funded? Schools are funded from federal dollars, but a lot of it is local dollars. So for a lot of places, it's property tax. Mm-hmm. And every time they try to raise a property tax in Nashville, I'm like the only person who's like, oh, I'm okay with that. Okay, you know? yeah. Because um, you know the net result is going to be right. good for the local schools? Right, because it's. Okay. I know that money is going to support police officers, firefighters, mail, library, and kids' education. Yep. Um, okay, so then fast forward to January this year, you got a job at Christ Presbyterian Academy. Yes. Which so- is... You know, I would think congratulations on that hire. I mean, they don't hire anyone as head of their middle school, right? Yes, sir. So yes, now sir. you're head of middle school for CPA, which yes. is a big deal, by the way. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, we have a friend who just got hired there as a teacher. Uh, forget the grade. I want to say third grade. Okay. Um, but I forget now. And um, maybe it's first grade. I don't know. But anyhow, it was just to be a teacher. And she is currently teaching at a public school outside of Metro. And, you know, she was really hoping she'd get the job because, you know, that's a great place to work. Yeah. And um, so they don't hire just anyone to be their head of middle school. So well, congratulations. They did hire just anyone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love it. Do you? It's, Is that going well so yeah, far? It's. I struggle sometimes how to dis- it's I mean, it. it's like another planet. When we're talking about education, it's not apples to apples. Um, it wasn't something that was on my radar. I wasn't like, I got to get out. I mean, I love Creep Hall. You know, two of my kids are still at Creep Hall because they love it so oh, much. Oh, no way. Yeah. So we believed in it. We, when, when we told our kids, hey, we're going to be transitioning over to CPA, they're like, what do you want to do? And my ones at Creep Hall are like, we want to stay here. And oh, it's cool. Like, Love Are they that. staying here for this year and then we'll switch over next year? Yeah, possibly? they're finishing this okay. year. I would and think then, it would make sense for them to go over there at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My wife and I are training cars. I'll drive the manly van next year with <laughs> all four of my kids to school, which is just very cool. Yeah. Um, what are some of the differences? Oh gosh. You know, I guess, or is it just, is it really that different? I guess I'm, I am curious though. What are some of the differences that you're experiencing? Yeah. We'll start it doesn't make sense to start serious and then do kind of some of the like more Nietzsche stuff, but no, Nietzsche was a guy. Nietzsche. Nietzsche? Uh-huh. What, what's that word? Nietzsche? 
niche, more niche, niche, niche yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in any organization, especially a school, you get everybody together in a room and you have to build common ground. And the common ground and the rallying cry in public school is we're here for the kids. We're here for the kids. Everybody's here for the kids. We're doing this because this is going to benefit kids. We're not doing this because this is going to hurt kids or it's not going to help them. And you have to talk about that and you have to reference that a lot. Being at a Christian private school, we take no money from the federal government. We take no money from the state government. So they literally can't tell us anything. They've got no control over us. So when we sit down in a room, we don't have to come to that common understanding because we all have this common understanding that we are here because we love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it makes everything different. Um, It's, I mean, I'm doing the same job, have the same problems, have the same struggles with work-life balance, have the same joys and the same, uh, I don't think I said challenges yet, but if I didn't say challenges, challenges. But to be able to do it in a way where I can talk about my faith, you know, in, in public school, it was always, I want to act in a way so that at some point, this child, this adult is going to say there was something different about him and then one day they'll say oh it's it was jesus he loved jesus but i can never say that where now it's like saying and talking about jesus is embedded in everything Mm -hmm. and it's it's this weird other muscles like i've been a christian most of my life i love the lord but now in a work setting i'm constantly like someone's like, oh, can we pray now? It's like, oh my gosh, yes, of course. Like, ah, how uh-huh. did I forget about that? Sure. Um, but then other things. This, one of the first things, it, it just blew my mind. And I think this is a great example of the difference between public school and private school is in the workroom at CPA, I was asking somebody, it's like, where, where can I get markers? I need markers, dry erase markers. And I'm like, oh, and they pull this tub down that was just full of expo markers. I literally re- reached my hand down to my elbow in expo markers. And it's like in the tub of mar- expo markers. Yeah, yeah. Like that many, Oh wow. that much expo markers. And it's like, I mean, right now Creve Hall is fundraising so that they have the money to buy supplies and stuff. Yeah. It's so like, you weren't reaching into, you weren't reaching elbow deep into a tub of, Expo markers at Creefall. No. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It, it cre- is it a difference in priorities between the two, or is it just that the private school has so much more money to, to work with? Yeah. Just more it's, money. One, it's you've got, you're in charge of your, how much money you have. I think probably per pupil spending, we're probably on the same, um, and not to get too dorky, but, you know, a kid in Metro, anywhere from t- ten to $12,000 is what you get. So principals have... That's what the school gets paid. Yes. Oh, okay. So you lose 20 kids, you're talking about you're losing probably like... What is that? $240,000. Oh, I didn't know it worked like that. It does. Oh, so you actually get paid by the system per kid. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then you manage your budget from there down. Yeah. So okay. then it's like, well... We lost kids, so people are going to get people are going to lose their jobs. Or what? 
what we were able to do was we were able to strategically work with the PTO at Creve Hall, who were fantastic to buy things like supplies, mm -hmm. which allowed me, I mean, the biggest budget surplus after everybody, nobody gets fired. That was always the goal of budget season. Nobody loses their job. The biggest, biggest budget I had after that was $30,000. So that doesn't include paper. That doesn't include pencils. That doesn't include computers. That doesn't include software. And then the lowest that the lowest amount that I had after budget season was about $12,000. You're saying after you paid the teachers? Yeah. Do you have to pay rent or is it like it's rent free? Like you got a budget for rent out of your $10,000 yeah. or $12,000? We don't have to pay that, but we did have to pay per copies. <laughs> what do you mean per copies? <laughs> so every copy that the teachers make on the copy machine, uh, okay. we get a bill like three months later. Oh, it was the it's worst. It's like, well, yeah. how much... How, okay, we need. We always set. It was like twenty five hundred my first year that we set aside for copies, and then I will it down to fifteen hundred, and then had a new bookkeeper. And Kim's fantastic, and she was like, "We need more money for copies." I was like, "No, we don't, Kim. We, yeah. we can't afford." So it's like you're throttling people on copiers, but then right. it's like workaround. PTO buys us a um, oh like a machine that you can make tons of copies on over and over, but it has to be the same thing. Well, that doesn't count copies. Mm -hmm. So there's all these little things that you're, I mean, just constantly nickel and diamond. If you're a school like Creve Hall. Now, the other end of that are schools with high poverty, which okay. are called Title I schools. If you're a title school, you get major change because you're getting extra money from the federal government. Oh, you're saying a title school is better funded than, than a non-title school? Yes, because, I mean, think about it this way. When you're dealing with kids who are coming from, like, think about your kids, right? Your kids are getting experiences in life. They're going to, they're not, they're going to the grocery store. They get to go to work. Um, they are having, living in a two-parent household. So you deal with kids who are coming from extreme poverty type situations well, they may not have two parents, or they may, but they never get to see them because they're always working. Um, it takes a lot more money to provide the same level of education, the same experiences. Yeah. Okay. But well, that's I'm not fun to, to talk that. about. Sure. Because it's like, well, I can either knowingly as a dad say, yeah, these kids who aren't in my family, who don't live in my community, they need more money. I want them to have more money. It's like, yeah, I, I feel that way, think that way until I have to cut a check. And then it's like, no, I, I, mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. That's, yeah. that's the rub with education. Yeah, that makes sense. So if it's that different between a public school and a private school, is there still a good case for parents to send their kids to public school if they could, you know, um, afford essentially to go to a private school? Like, how do you think 100%. about public school, private school now? That's a good question. How do I think about public school, private school now? Hmm. I don't love the, so a charter school is a specialty school that receives a charter, which basically is like, we exist to fulfill this reason. The governor either has to sign off to put you into existence. 
the school board has to put you into existence. And when I was in Indiana, there were charter schools like we are serving only special, only deaf kids. We are trying to fill the niche because we don't believe the public school can meet the needs of these kids as best as we can. I'm like, I love that. Down in Nashville, and again, my kids went to a, my oldest kid went to a charter school for a year and a half for middle school. Mm. It's like, well, I don't know why they have that. You don't know why they have charter schools? I, I just, I don't know why there continues to be more and more charter schools. I I, oh, okay. I don't know what is the specific void that they're filling that oh, traditional public schools aren't doing or even private schools. So, but that's a rabbit trail. I need to stay focused. Focus. Well, can I ask you on yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit more on that though? Because I thought that charter schools were basically this sort of wonderful loophole kind of where you could have a school that's publicly funded, but essentially privately ran. Yeah, that's and exactly you what you can have is. better run schools was my impression. Well, it, you can have it, you can have it run the way you want it to run. So it, it incorporates a lot of those private school aspects where they don't have to do everything that public schools have to do, but they still have to do some things. So they still have to take state testing, but they don't. I'm trying to think of a good example of some of the things that they didn't have to do, but I can't really think of any, anything okay. right now. So, but it doesn't sound like you're really a fan of, char- of the category for charter schools, which is surprising to me. I don't love... So growing up in Indiana, there was one school system in town. There were a couple, like three or four private schools, but we just went to the public school. I like the public schools. Both my parents taught at two different public high schools. Okay. There weren't any options, and when there aren't any options, you're not disgruntled with what you have. Yep. Whereas it feels like one of the hottest topics in Nashville is, well, where's your kids go to school? Where your kids go to school? Yeah. Where your kids go to school? There's a it's lot like, of school oh. choice here. Right. <laughs> right. I well, feel I like mean, it's to it, our it, detriment. It comes with a, with a, with a price. So yeah. you, okay. So you do think it can be a little overdone. Yeah. I, I think there's just so much. And, and again, I go back to what I was always telling people. I tried to be really honest about our kids' experiences in school to say, at the charter school that they went to, it wasn't a great fit for my wife and I. I didn't love okay. it. I, I didn't. My kid had an okay experience there, but I knew kids and families there that loved it. Great. So for me, it was always go there, make your own decisions. Don't base it off what I'm saying because my kids' needs and what I'm expecting for them are totally different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where... If you don't know what you want for your kid beyond just what they're going to feel and think when they come home from school, are they going to be seen, known, loved, and valued? There's very few educators that are terrible at that, that are bad, that are nobody's in it to hurt kids, but some people do hurt kids. It just, I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Is, uh, well, I think, are, are you making the point that Let's not get too caught up in trying to get out of the traditional public school system, like going to a charter school or going private, because there's great teachers in the regular public schools also. Yeah. Is that one of the points you're driving yeah. at? Yeah, that, ma- that makes sense. Um, okay, so back to if there is such a difference between private school and public school, then, or n- not just private school, but a private Christian school and public school, how should Christian parents 
like myself th- think about that? That is a great question. And that is something. <clears throat> Do you know uh, Midtown, 12 South? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The church, you mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Midtown is meeting out of Creve Hall. Uh-huh. You know, right? Well, a new location, right? Um, the 12 South? The location sorry, it moved sorry. over here, did it? No, not 12 South. They were at Granberry, but now they're at Creve Hall. Oh, instead of Granberry, because mm-hmm. Granberry oh, was doing some construction okay. work. All right, I don't think I picked up on that. I thought they were like having a new, they had a new location. Yeah. Okay. No, just just they moved over. So have strong connections with them. Love those guys. Great church. Great people. Is and Matt Avery that? That's not the one. He's the pastor, right? Is it? It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's a part of our gym. That's yeah. why I met Matt Avery. Yeah. yeah. Good people. Yep. Well, Hal's kid went to the same charter school. He was just in the high school and he and I were talking. I was like, well, what do you think about this? Just because the school itself, very, very um, culturally liberal ideas, not necessarily being taught, but being, being shown and expressed in a way where I was like, I don't know how I feel about this as a dad. I don't know how I feel about people who are acting in a specific way being role models for my kids. But then Hal made the great point. He's like, there's no better place as a Christian to send your kid than to a lost place. And what I had to wrestle with was that idea of, am I brave enough to do that Mm -hmm. to my kid? And ultimate, I I mean, I guess you could say ultimately when I had the opportunity to jump ship, I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still kind of, I still wrestle with that, that idea of as a father, I'm, I am helping to pick out the path that my kids are going to walk. Sometimes I'm going to make it easier. Sometimes I'm not going to rescue them. Yep. But as a Christian, it's like they, they need to interact with the world. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want my kids to grow up in a, in a setting where they get out in the real world and they, I mean, this is silly, but I don't want them to be weird. I don't want people to look at them and be like, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. You weirdo. Yeah. I want them to be like that salt and light, you know? Yeah. Uh, yep. Let me just randomly throw in half yeah. parts of Bible verses yeah. <laughs> save hey, my point. Um, yeah, you throw in whatever you want, man. Uh, the, so if, um, okay, what about then for the people that would say, but yeah, you just proved my point because if you're sending your kids into a dark place to go witness, that's not the, you know, hey, that human should witness at some point, but when they're a child, when they're a kid, that's not when they're most best prepared, you know, like they should be say at a Christian school and then grow up, become an adult and then they can go out and witness. How would you think about that? I think it, I think it comes down to as a family, you have to know what are your top priorities and that's not saying, well, are your kids a priority or not? It's not saying is your kids an education a priority or not? All families. That's important. But it's, it's how does your kid, when they leave school, how do they think and feel? You can be in the most magical place ever, but be, if your kid is a super introvert and they're surrounded by extroverts and nobody's slowing down to notice them, they can feel 
just as hurt and lonely and lost in a beautiful place like CPA as they could at a, at a, at a public school like John Overton. It really, it just depends on the kid. You know, I don't, I don't love, I think Nashville has school choice to its detriment, but at the same time, because we have choice, we should use that. Uh, and by the way, can you explain what school choice is? And yeah. Is that for na- is that for Metro or is that for the state of Tennessee? It just it take a step back. So school choice is you moved into the Creve Hall neighborhood. Some people do that to be zoned and be able to go to to Creve Hall. Some people um, like a school like um, Aiken Elementary. It's lottery. You can apply to go there instead of going to your neighborhood school. You know, I exercise school choice in, oh, I work at CPA now, which means that my kids can go there. So I'm choosing to exercise that right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But so essentially, because not every state has this, right? School choice? No, I, I mean. Or is it a federal thing? I hear it get talked about some with the politicians, and I just didn't know exactly like where this stood. Man, politics and education. I roll. Yeah, it I does roll. seem like those two things, not a great combination. Uh, but my understanding was like maybe certain states allowed this and others didn't, or it was at a federal thing, and some would argue that you want school choice and some would argue that you did, you don't. But to really dumb it down, it's we're zoned for Creve Hall, but if we wanted to say go to John Overton, school mm-hmm. choice would allow for that. Is yes. that correct? Yes, sir. And you might have to drive further. Yeah, but what are the what are the outward bounds of that? Like, surely they're not going to accept us out in Cookville or something, right? Like, what is, or would they if you committed to pretty much you get your kid there every day? That's the thing because if you do, that's another twelve thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah, but but we can't go utilize a public school in Williamson County, can we? Nope. Oh, so it needs to be in county for the way. So that's the way Davidson County runs it. That's okay. the way Williamson County runs it. That's the way, um, you know, Los Angeles United chooses to run it based on that, based on their school board. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. So there are stipulations around which schools you get to choose from. Yes, sir. So, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, okay. So what do, I'm curious what you think about then for – because we don't exactly know what to think. We feel great with our choices right now. Yeah. But, but you know, we'll just continue to, to monitor and, and see how things, I think, yeah. progress, see how things go, see how the kids are doing, that type of thing. But, I mean, I, I know some people personally who think we are crazy for sending our kids to public school right now. Right. But they don't know, like, it just so happens, and this is not a prerequisite for being a teacher at Creef Elementary. I'm sure it couldn't legally be, but... You know, they don't happen to know that all of their kids' teachers are, happen to be Christian. Right. And not just like, you know, slapping the, the sticker, you know, um, as a title, yeah. you know, and walking around. But like actually legitimate, like, oh, shoot, these are real. These yeah. are real Christians. Yes. You know? Yes. Like our neighbor who happens to be a teacher over there, um, she is, she's legit, you know? Um, so I think, you know, that's our experience is great school, awesome teachers, and mostly they just happen to be Christian also. Yeah. And, but then some of our, 
some of the the people that we know that we think are are crazy for sending our kids to public school don't know that don't know the teachers but also i don't i don't want to like i don't want to you know just ignore everything that they're saying either first of all you know there's some people that would live in a different state so they're not even in tennessee right. and i would have to think you know between metro and williamson county public schools it's a different experience and yeah. i would think between you know tennessee and California public schools, there's probably a pretty big difference also in the schooling. Um, but are there any things, anything that you're aware of in Metro and the public schools that would give us reason to pause, maybe that we're not aware of, just with some of the, the things you mentioned earlier with sometimes a liberal, well, it's not sometimes, it seems like there is a real liberal agenda going on in, in, in a lot of public schools right now for some reason. Yeah. So Williamson County has the was it Moms of Liberty something group women of, I think it's Moms of Liberty that have kind of gotten a little bit on the national scene for kind of rising up against some of the curriculum that Williamson County was using that Metro's using because it's well you know this book is is a problem and education is it it's it's a cycle it's a pendulum um, you look at different different um maybe this is just more my theory but different time periods you know i think about the 60s and the 70s when my parents were growing up and it was like free love sex drugs this is the way here we're gonna go the youth of america great and then 15 20 years later they're like that was really really dumb yeah um and then gosh i'm not sure i think 80s i think we got it right I think we just nailed that. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> but I, you know, you look at what's going on now with, with the idea that gender is fluid, which I, which is anti-biblical. I do not believe that. I do not believe that. Um, and I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Sometimes I talk and I forget where I'm going. Well, the, uh, the liberal effects on public schools. Yeah. Is there things that are being taught that we may not be aware of as parents that we would like to know? So I think in any situation where we are trusting our kids to someone else's care, things are going to get caught and things are going to get taught that we may not necessarily agree with. Mm -hmm. um, be that a babysitter influence, be that from their friends, some words that they may know. I think overall, painting with a broad stroke, there's nothing, I, again, broad stroke, make, I'm saying nothing. There's, there's, I, I mean, by far the vast majority, it's all safe. It's not kind of that scare tactics, I, scare tactic, I'm trying not to, try not to show, show too much. There's a lot of fuss. There's a lot of conversation going over in education. I think there always has been, but but I think right now it's really become politicized. What what book is my kid being exposed to? You know, I it was the Seahorse book, the Seahorse book in Williamson County, ooh, because it talked about how the male seahorse carries the baby in its pouch, something like that. It never said seahorses are gay it never said like it 
I read but it. Don't I male seahorses actually carry the baby? Right. No? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And this was this this was a thing in Williamson County that the parents were getting upset at. They were. They did not want that book taught. Um, oh, wow. That was a first grade book. There was a like a Ruby Bridges book that'd been in schools forever. But it's almost like okay, wait. Now we have this new lens to look at this, and I, I don't I don't like this. And so we just start. I don't know. Things get really, really crazy. So schools are the whipping boys of the politicians and the American public. Hmm. So the politicians get to decide what schools do and what they don't get to do. None of them are in schools doing that work. So there are always unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, I said, schools are the whipping boys of politicians and who else? Uh, <laughs> Listening test. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't remember. You Can we roll back the tape? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll tell you in a couple weeks when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, who else would it be? The politicians and the parents, or no? No, not parents. No. Because again, it's not it, the taxpayers, right? There's not a lot they can do. They elect no. the politicians, and the politicians handle it. Here's. Here's what I think some of the problems with public education are. If we are putting our money through taxes into schools, we don't want to waste our money. Nobody wants to say it's a bad investment, but we're talking about children. So when we use the word investment in children, it's already kind of yucky. But there has to be expectations. We have to be looking at what we're doing and saying, are we improving the lives of children? Mm -hmm. So how do we measure that? Well, we come up with a test. Well, when I first came to Tennessee in 2016, see, now I remember when I came. Yeah. They had just redone the test because so many kids were doing really well on the test. Well, if too many kids are doing well on this test, this test must be too easy, so we got to make it hard. Okay, so we make it hard. So we make it harder. Now the things that we were teaching in second grade, we got to start covering those in first grade. And it's this domino effect because we don't want to give everybody a ribbon we're trying to measure things that are that are immeasurable, like kids who are coming from broken homes have a much different educational experience than your or my kids do. Mm. It takes a lot more money. It takes a lot more time. It takes a lot more intention and care to get those kids to the same level just because these are kids who are worried about, I'm hungry at school. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. I can't focus. They're worried about what is good. Is someone going to be at home? Is somebody going to be hurt, trying to hurt them? They've got to take care of their sibling. They have to navigate a world that I don't even have to navigate. Um, and so it's just it's it's just not apples to oranges. Na- Nashville. One of my favorite things about Nashville is just how eclectic we are as a city with nations of the world. Yeah, I say this all the time. To people, one of my favorite things at Creep Hall was going out at recess and just looking, and you could just see so many different shades, skin tones. You could hear different languages, and all these kids are running around, and they're just beside themselves happy. Yeah. You know? I notice it when there's a school function, and we are at it, that the, yeah, all of the different types of people that are there seem really happy to be there which is really cool. It says a lot for the school. 
Well, when you fill a school with people, not just people who care about kids, because again, almost all educators deeply care about kids, but you fill it with people who are Christians, who their starting point is loving the Lord and then setting them in front of kids and saying, these kids need you. What you're doing, sorry, microphone, what you're doing is important Mm -hmm. uh, because this is how you are serving your father, Mm -hmm. your father, God. That makes a difference. Yeah, no doubt. It's exciting. No doubt. So are you saying that at least in the state of Tennessee, parents who are worried about their kids being taught critical race theory, are are you saying that that's not really a big concern right now? It's, It's against the law in Tennessee to teach critical race theory. One. No kidding. There's a law about that? Yes. Yeah, they, they made a law because they're like, we can't do this. Now yeah. I'm curious how they define it because sometimes it can be a little hard to define, right? Well, see, that's the other thing. So it's a it's a college-level idea. I don't know what critical race theory is. I, I mean, I have what I believe it is, but I don't really know. Mm-hmm. And so how do we teach that to kids? And so it, I think at times it can come down to I don't want my kid to feel bad. Nobody wants their kid to feel bad. You don't want your kid to come home and say, I had a tough day. You don't want your kid to come home and cry. You're like, I'm going to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And so this, this idea of, well, what are we teaching our kids? Are we teaching our kids that other kids are better than them? That because the color of your skin a long time ago, like my ancestors did mistreated other people. It's like, at some point, we need to teach kids history. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean they need to learn that in first grade. And so that's where it's like, well, at what point do we start to have these difficult conversations with kids? It's like, I don't know. I don't get to make the rules. That's what the politicians do. Yeah. Okay. So CRT is, it's illegal to teach it in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, it's on the books. Interesting. But that's not the case in every state, correct? Correct. And, okay, so that's something that parents can keep in mind. You know, it's, again, it's going to be very location specific. Um, hmm, okay. So what would be the, so if it's not CRT, because that seems to be like the hot topic, mm-hmm. politicized topic. Yeah. If that's kind of off the table as a concern, let's say in the state of Tennessee for public schools, then what would be the the most kind of pungent liberal influences that parents could be or should be concerned about here then? Or is that just where it's like more is caught than taught? And you can't teach CRT, but if your um, teacher is, um, you know, a furry or a... What's a furry? You don't know what a furry is, bro? I'm about to get kicked off the podcast. Okay. (laughs) Or, you know, if your teacher's like super woke and everything is about being super woke, well, that's probably hard for the state of Tennessee to, first of all, identify that exactly. And second of all, take action on it. So, um, so maybe it's, maybe it's a hard question about like if CRT is off the table, then what should, is there any liberal influence that, that those in Tennessee public schools should be concerned about? I don't know if that's the question that I feel like I know what I can answer. And again, I keep like, I'm not trying to dodge the question, but I keep trying to think about, again, going back to is, so as a, as a Christian father, my child was in a school where there, where 
their well, my child's teachers in the in the middle school were very openly homosexual, mm-hmm. and I looked at that, and my struggle was is these are these are these are role models for my kid, and if you are openly living a lifestyle that that I believe is contradictory to scripture, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. And so I think it more so comes down to what are what is important to your family? What is important that your kids are exposed to? How much can they be exposed to some things? Um, I'm trying to think. And again, I'm representing elementary school. Sure. So middle school and high school is a whole different ball. Yeah, game. it probably probably amps, amps up a little yeah, bit more for sure in middle school and high school. So furry is when you identify as a, as an animal. Oh, okay. And ha- have you not bumped into that at Creep Hall when you were there? <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. Have okay. That. Well, let me tell you right now. The friend who I said is getting a job at Christ Pres. She just found out a couple weeks ago and was super stoked. She was a teacher at a public school outside of Davidson County, and she had furries there. Oh man! And this is. Um, she was telling us about this about a year ago. And we were in Alabama on vacation. It was so weird, the timing. Because she said something about these furries at her school. And then, like, literally a week or two later, we were in Florence, Alabama, on vacation, walking the street, just Marianne and I and the kids, and to get some pizza or something. And there was a sign stapled to a telephone pole that said uh, furry meetup at this bowling alley and whatever. And the first I I saw it and didn't give it. I didn't know, I didn't know anything really about it. And Marianne was like took a second glance at it and we looked at it further and yeah, that's what it was. There was a meetup for kids kids who identified as animals and it's a real thing. I mean, there is now um, and I saw on social media there's this place in the Northeast where you can pay to go be a pig for a day or a couple hours. I don't know how long, but they just put you in this like onesie essentially. And then you crawl out in the mud and eat, eat um, vegetables out of a trough, you know, with other people pretending to be pigs and you're all snorting and, and all of this. And um, yeah, but it's, it's gotten to a thing where you know how, you know how like the gender fluidity thing Mm -hmm. is now a thing and how that's just so, it's getting to the point where it's like commonly acceptable. There are places where it's commonly acceptable now that, you know, this kid identifies as a wolf or this kid identifies as a cat. And some of these kids, there was one place that they, uh, the school either had to allow them or they turned it down. I forget which way this went, but the one kid who was identifying as a cat wanted a litter box in school because she had a litter box at home. So like, this is like the next frontier, like the gender fluidity thing. Like when you say you had teachers that were gay and you weren't sure the impact on your kid, I'm thinking, well, my goodness, (laughs) that's like not even, that's like the the least of people's concerns now. You know what I mean? Um, So I I guess um, I, I am curious, and, and maybe you don't have much experience with this, so it's fine if you don't, but I am curious what your thoughts are on 
the woke stuff running through the school system today because it does seem like it's very concentrated in schools. The college thing I get, the high school thing I get less probably. I mean, the college thing just like that's just where it's going to be, right? Yeah. That's just where it's going to be. So I get that. Um, but it does seem like it has now filtered down into all grades of school where where you'll have like a teacher who is um, say transgender and is bringing a lot of attention to themselves. And I guess what I have wondered is what impact does this have on the kids who show up to school, not necessarily looking to learn more about transgender things or delineate you know, when they went to the school, they never, like, signed up to, like, have right. to navigate school life with a teacher that's transgender and is making it all about himself. Mm-hmm. And the energy in the room that some of those people seem to soak up because of what they're doing and how much they believe in it and how much they think it's, like, should be sort of the center of attention. Some of them, and I'm sure not all of them, but some of them, they soak up quite a lot of energy in the room. And what effect does that have on a kid who's going into that classroom every day into that class? And this is like the center point of the attention day in and day out. What sort of an impact is that going to have on that child's development and education? That's what I wonder. Yeah. And that's, that's the question that we don't know. And that's kind of where I shared my struggle was, is if you don't have, sex education, something that a lot of parents are really struggle to talk to their own kids about. And so kids just never find out about sex. And that's why there's such a low birth rate because kids don't know about this is, this is a joke guys. Oh, yeah. Like if I, (laughs) if I'm nervous to talk to my kids about sex, they're going to find out about sex. Right. It doesn't stop them being coming under that influence, coming under that knowledge. Exactly. Right? And so when we're talking about somebody in front of our kids who, as adults, we're saying, this is an authority figure in your life. School is someone, we're trusting you with these people. And it's hard because they're strangers. And and a lot of times that's what the school setting is. That's what's hard. And so if you don't have those as parents, if we don't have that home life where we're talking to our kids and we're having these open lines of conversations Mm -hmm. with them, then yeah, we are losing our kids. We are losing them to the influences of, you know, that, that teacher in that scenario that you described to their friends at a certain level when they get to be in like the middle school stage, we have to be, we have to expose our kids to truth and we have to say, guys, this is truth. And we have to, do it in a way that we say, but you still love. God is still love. He still loves these people. He still loves you. But this is something that we don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Here is why. You can still respect this person. You can still be under them. But it's scary because, I mean, you and I, we've got little kids. and They don't quite always understand why something may not be okay because they're so black and white. It's good or it's bad. That's what, that's what I think 
parents should be scared of. And that's why I think parents should, in education, take the opportunities to be involved in their schools, Mm -hmm. to get to know their child's teachers. It's super easy in elementary school because that's kind of the setting. But in middle school and high school, be involved in your kids' lives. And I know we're totally getting on a parenting route here, but it's this idea of, you know, if my daughter comes home and she's like, Dad, I smoked some pot at a party. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. She's never going to tell me ever again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it very clear I'm not safe to talk to about Yep. But if she says that and I scream in my head and I'm like, oh, well, what was that like? Yep. I have now, that's what we have to do with our kids mm-hmm. as, as parents putting them into the, into the public or the private school. Schools, public schools are designed to fill a void. I mean, think about it. Creve Hall, great school, good area, free free breakfast. Is it still free lunch? Yeah, it's still free lunch. I haven't been packing my kids' lunch. <laughs> you know, we feed the kids. We take care of their needs. We have counselors. We bring in doctors. We are trying to supplement what a lot of kids don't have. And so sometimes there are families like like my own that now have this other opportunity. We don't need all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What really re- what we really want for our kids is oh, we want them to have to be to be in a in a setting that is where our beliefs about Jesus and Christ are. They're seeing that being lived mm-hmm. out. Um, I feel like I keep dropping off at the end. Like I'm, I'm like point point almost. Saying, like, what? what? I haven't noticed. I think you're fine. I think you're fine. Um, but the thing about the school getting ten to twelve thousand a year per student, it makes me wonder. Like, if there could someday be a thing where, you know, maybe I get a some sort of credit on my property taxes. You know, if I didn't want to send my kids to public school because, you know, it, we're having a great experience and it's free to us. Yeah. But it sounds like it still costs. 10 to 12,000 per year. And so would there be a way to give me back 10 to 12,000 per year, which is way more than I pay in property tax because property tax in Tennessee is ridiculously cheap. Yes. I'm from upstate New York. Oh I mean, my gosh. Tennesseans have oh no, my gosh. Idea. No. no idea. It's crazy cheap here. And we really um, like it. Yeah. Cheap. Thank you. Yeah, we do. And yes. And I'm in Davidson County and it's still way cheap. And Wilson County, we lived in Wilson County for a bit, and it's way cheaper than Davidson County. Yeah. And Williamson County, I think the rates are even lower than Wilson County. Anyhow, you know, if there was a way to, to give me back ten or 12000 a year, if the state's going to spend it anyway, and then let me figure out how to spend that, that could be that could be interesting. And I know there are some tax credits they do the in, voucher thing. in Pennsylvania. Oh, there is some sort of voucher thing? Yeah, they're trying to get vouchers pushed in Tennessee – um, so the, the only issue with the vouchers are again, and, and I'm always thinking, I always come from public school, like the least common denominator. Um, so I'm thinking about our refugee families. So the state says, well, we'll give you a $2,000 tax credit. So you can, you can go to the school of your choice. Well, you take $2,000 to a private school in Tennessee. Yeah. That's. You know, twenty three thousand dollars. It's about two weeks. Yep, yep. <laughs> you can't afford it. Well, you also have to provide transportation. We know because we're we're not going to pay the bus to send you there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like well, really, what we've done is 
we've given middle class and affluent families a tax break is really what it is. Mm. We're, we're not opening the door of educational. We're not giving more school choice to families that are living in really difficult situations. Yeah. If what, what do you think the value is of $30,000 a year from, um, say, at least middle school on? Like, is it is that worth it in some cases if someone can afford that? I mean, is that really, does it change like, the trajectory of that kid's life? I mean, to, it can. To the tune of $30,000 a year? It can. Okay. It doesn't have to, but it can. Mm-hmm. I There was a, who's the religious group that does all of the survey stuff? Anybody know that? Uh, Barna? Is it Barna? Is it Barna? That, maybe. Maybe. Maybe Barnes is a national one. Anyways, they came out with a study that um, David uh, Trueblood, Kevin Trueblood, David Trueblood from, I can't remember what organization, but he presented it at the church that we go to. And one of the big things that they found about kids not walking away from the faith is being going to like a Christian school. Oh, that's and interesting. And when I read that, I, I like, I wasn't at CPA at the time and I kind of hated it Mm -hmm. because I was like, but I want my kids to be missionaries. But then I, it also makes sense. Mm -hmm. So do I think you are getting a vastly superior education at a private school than a public school in some situations? Yes. In most situations. No, I don't think so. Really? I think what you're getting is I, you are getting access to more, you're getting access to uh, better facilities. You're getting access to more like-minded people. You're getting more access to teachers in smaller class sizes. You're getting um, access to social structures and, and different families from different, um, yeah, just more access, I think. And again, that's not every case, but I think, looking at how hard we worked in Metro and, and how constantly in Indiana we were having to refine what we were doing Mm -hmm. because there was this, there's more research. We've got to change what we're doing. There's more research. We've got to change. Like it it was, there's a lot of work going into the craft of education to make it as best as it can be. Yeah. That's good to hear. I think I'm maybe a little bit surprised you would say, you know, on average between a public school and a private school, it's not that you're not really, what you're getting for the money isn't necessarily that much better of an education. It's more the, the whole experience, which I'm sure is worth it most of the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I guess I would have maybe thought the education would have be significantly better also. I mean, I think there, I think you're going to have situations. Again, I, I can think of like a New York where if you're going to, a like New York public school 60 with which has got like a middle school high crime um, low parent involvement truancy issues you've got kids just gang violence that kind of stuff and you go to uh, whatever the Juilliard feeder school is you know yeah like that's going to be vastly different yeah but when I, I guess when I think of a place like a school like Creve Hall, it's like 
yeah, people are busting their tails and it's a really great education. Hmm. And so how do you compare one great education to another? Uh-huh. Well, I did that by looking at expo markers, you know, at yeah. the beginning of the episode. That sure. was where I was like, oh, we have so much more access to things here. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I'm, I'm a school guy. And so I'm sure that a lot of people maybe wouldn't agree with that. Mm-hmm. But in order... A, the quality of a school is based on the quality of the kids that go there and the quality of the teachers that you have. So in the course of five years, a school can go from really, really good mm-hmm. to really, really bad because, well, you just got a huge influx of kids from El Salvador in your public school mm-hmm. and they don't have any idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, oh, your best teachers, all, your five best teachers all got pregnant. And you've filled those spots with brand new teachers who are still learning their craft. Yeah. Yep. It can swing. It can change. Yep. Yeah. I think right now I just don't know how much to be concerned about the woke stuff because, you know, sometimes with the news they focus on just like the the exception, not the rule, you know, because it's more attractive and gets views and, and gets people kind of nestled in on either side of kind of the delineating line, that type of thing. Um so I actually didn't know CRT was illegal in Tennessee. Yeah. So it shows you how closely I'm paying attention, I guess. But um, but it does seem like there are places. It was I think it was Tom Segura, a, a comedian, who was looking at high school in, in California because they were moving or something, and they were at this high school, like parent day, where you come with your student and learn about the school. And one of the fellow parents raised their hand and said, hey, is it true that at this school that you have in this class, you have the white kids stand on chairs and everyone else uh, sits on the floor and yells at them, like yells obscenities at them. And they were like, yeah, we do that at this school. And he was like, oh man, I can't send my kids there, you know? Um, So there are places where that type of thing is getting overdone. And it's kind of run rampant, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable sending my kids. I don't care what color my kids were. That's not a... I don't see how that leads to good ends at all. Yeah. Um, you know, again, no matter what color the kids happen to be. But it does seem like that is the type of thing that tends to happen mostly in these really progressive states like yeah. California and New York and some of the others. Yeah. Um, I wanted to... I wanted to hear about what it was like to be a principal during COVID. That was awful. I can imagine. Yeah. It was terrible enough just being a person during COVID. Yeah. I can't imagine being the principal. Yeah. Of it a public school. Cause you're kind of at the whims a little bit also there, right? Like you have limitations to your decision-making Yeah, might be different if it was a private school again, but this is a public school and yeah. you were a principal and COVID happened. So there was a day it was, so 2019, the spring, the shutdown, 2019-2020, Metro decides you can stay virtual, you can come back. So at this point, I'm... This is spring of 2020? No, this is fall of... Fall, uh, fall of 20. Yeah. So in essence, we've got two separate schools. One is a virtual school. One is an in-person school. But then all the kids who come to in-person, they have to wear masks. Okay. So then the governor says, schools cannot mandate that children wear masks. 
And I literally just face palmed. And I was like, how do I, how do I explain to parents? The governor said that you don't have to wear a mask, but the school board says you have to wear a mask. And the school board is my boss. And I know that doesn't make any sense, but if I don't do what the school board says, I lose my job. Hmm. And again, I had, you know, I made the comment like that's, that's just being a puppet in the middle, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was just, educators we love kids tall kids 18 year old kids preschool kids cute little kindergarten kids really funny awkward middle school kids we love kids and it was really really hard to stay focused on the kids because they had so much stuff going on at home they were hurting Um, we're trying to get a technology infrastructure up and running that we don't have have to do school we know we're doing school not the way that we know kids best learn it was awful and I think the hardest year was not the COVID year um, but it was the following year when we thought everything was back to normal Mm. and then before because you guys were there it was like it was before school even started I don't I think I like mentally blocked it out but Metro, we decided that we were going to do something. And I was like, oh, no. Like, we're doing the same thing that we used to do. Was it fall of 2021? I bet you it was. Okay. 21, 22. This is 22, 23. Yeah, last year was so much harder. Hmm. Because we all thought it was going back to normal. We all thought right. we're done with this stuff. And then yeah, we Yeah, something did happen. I forget exactly what it was. But I re- you're, you saying that kind of kind of jogs my memory a little bit. We were looking forward to going back to school, thinking for sure everything's going to be fine. But what was it? Because it would, I guess, was it mask related or something? Yeah, maybe. So what else would have yeah, been? Yeah, maybe it, it was we virtual, didn't have to right? wear masks and then we have to wear masks. I mean, that makes sense. Gosh, yeah. we, we should know. Yeah. Come on, dads and guy who ran the school. Somebody here should Dad's know. Dads, school principal <laughs> here. <laughs> <All right. laughs> what yeah. were the hot issues for you? Masks, virtual learning whether we can bring the kids back in person. It was the unknown. And it was parents saying, what are we doing? What are we going to do? And me having to go in front of people and constantly say, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And the Creve Hall community was so gracious. And I was just so unbelievably blessed by how people were so kind and so gracious when I was just trying to be as vulnerable and open as I could mm-hmm. about situations. Um, because, I mean, people trusted me. Mm-hmm. In a time when nobody knew what was going on, the fact that parents were trusting me with their children. Um, that meant a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I know who I am. I know what my thoughts are. I don't feel, and I didn't, I I didn't feel the time worthy of that task, but it's like, that's okay. God, I'll, I'll, I'll show up another day, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, all the stress that you were experiencing at home, 
trying to deal with it with your kids and the virtual school mess and and then so that was my job and then coming home it was just it was just nonstop. Uh, then you came home and had to deal with it on the other side, which is like now you're the parent. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Huh. It was it was hard. And then having to again emotionally support these teachers who are like this isn't going well and i'm like i I know it's not just just do your best and they're like this is not this is not this is not teaching to me this is not what i want to do and it's like yeah i i know this is a season this we will get through this it's not always going to be like this and they're like well when's it going to end it's like i don't know yeah yeah it was it was awful so clearly the the weight of the responsibility is something that you took and take seriously for parents to trust you with their kids is yeah. something you got emotional when you were just talking about it. That's something that really matters to you and you wanted to be a good steward of that. But you are sort of having, there are limits to your decision-making ability. Yeah. So you're sort of caught in the middle. Yes. And that was the tension you were feeling as a, as a principal. Yeah, very much so. Now the... The school board, so that we could take the masks as one example, that would have been the school board's decision. And does Creve Hall Elementary have its own school board, or is there one school board for Metro? Yep. Oh, there's one school board for Metro. So every school district is going to have a school board. How many school board members they have, it varies. There are always elected positions, Mm. and they always are the boss of the superintendent. Okay. And then the superintendent does, is there one superintendent per school district? I haven't, I I mean, yeah, there's one main superintendent, but there's going to be like associate superintendents or deputy superintendents or you're in charge of curriculum superintendent, that kind of Uh, thing. But there's always one person who reports directly to the board and everybody else reports to ultimately that superintendent. Okay, so is it essentially school board superintendent with their assistants and so forth and then the principals or is there someone in between the superintendent there's usually there's usually somebody in between that so like with metro it's principals then you have principals of principals that's not their official title but that's what they are Mm -hmm. and then you have like your curriculum director and then you have your math director and then you have they recently changed it, so I'm not sure, but they used to have like three or four associate superintendents or something along those lines. I see. Had. So there's a lot of degrees of separation. Yep. So the school board, when they make a decision about, hey, in their school district, they want all of the kids to be wearing masks. Is that something where you think they are, you know, sort of looking at what other school districts are doing, what other states are doing, what everyone else is doing and trying to sort of just yes, kind of smart. Yeah. If they're smart. Yeah. Or, or, or are they like looking at, okay, bring in the, the, the data, you know, and, and look through that and then make their own decision. Or is it more just like, look, let's blend in other school districts are doing this. Let's just do that here. Or don't you really know how they arrive at those I mean, it really depends on the board because sometimes you have a board member who runs and is elected and their whole platform is, I don't like the superintendent. I'm going to get him fired. And they get in there and you're like, you can't do anything. It's all, I mean, it's just like, 
politics at the national level. Mm-hmm. If you've got your DAC, the deck, DAC, you've got the deck stacked in your favor, you can get a lot done. But you can also just get nothing done. Mm-hmm. So if you've got like Metro's got a seven person board, I think. So majority, oh, that's it. Yeah. So majority's four oh, people. Wow. Yeah. Oh wow, I would have thought it would have been bigger than that. I guess. So the school board for Metro Nashville is seven people. Maybe it's nine people. Oh, seven or nine. Fact check. Who's the fact but it's checker? Not, but it's can not I fact check myself. It's on not this? fifteen. No. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's less than I would have thought then. Oh, oh, I'm having. Did I just lie? Nine. Nine. Okay. okay. I, I recovered before. Okay. <laughs> yep. Deep breath. Um, Deep breath. Well, yeah. I, I know you you want to talk about the woke thing, and I wish mm-hmm. I was more. No, we did. No no joke on this. I, I asked David Filson about that at CPA. I was like, I've heard people say, like, we're not woke. I was like, you know, what does that mean? And I got a sermon like 50 minutes and he and this is so david filson like whenever we study the bible he's he'll like stop you know after like 20 minutes of like well what questions do you have and i'm just like (laughs) Uh (laughs) can you just please keep talking like this is incredible yeah but it it, this is so dumbed down but i think that the biggest thing i struggled with you didn't ask this but i think it relates as a christian in public education was all kids and all families that that come to our school they have to feel seen known loved and respected and sometimes they are living a lifestyle that i do not agree with or they're making decisions such as i'm changing my gender or um, you know i'm a furry now mm-hmm. and it's how do i love you without endorsing lifestyle and i think at times i probably fell on the the wrong side of that of of loving more than maybe i could have maybe i'm what am i trying to say i think what i what i really struggled with was i want these i I want these kids to know that they're loved Mm -hmm. because i'm trying to love them in a way that will point them to christ and i think sometimes Families would have taken that as, oh, you you accept this lifestyle. That was really hard because I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's public school. It's not my place to come in and say, here's how you're supposed to live your life. And I think where that may be where a lot of the political, the um, like the the LGBTQ agenda, the the woke thing, I think where a lot of that stems from is. Families don't want to be told, here's how I should raise my kid. But school is a partnership with families where we're helping to raise your kids, and that's where it gets muddy. And if you and I ideologically agree, like at a place like at CPA where my girls are going, I'm like, yes, yes, more of this, more. Pour it down their throats. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the the charter school my kid was at, I was like, we need to be careful. We need to be praying about this. We need to be asking good questions to make sure that my daughter is, a, is equipped to be in the world, not of the world. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. And look, I'm a total dummy and I am not an educator or an expert in that area whatsoever. But so this is totally for what it's worth. But 
I just don't think you need to be worried about like, oh, you erred a little bit too much on accepting people and loving them. That makes no sense to me. I think in the grand scheme, like it's, it will, it's going to find its own level. And I think erring on that side is always better than erring on the other side. Um, and I think that, you know, I, even I knew like you have limitations there as a principal. So when it comes to the COVID stuff, you know, isn't there a verse somewhere like everyone has authority over them and there's an authority over mm-hmm. them. And that's just the way it is. You know, I mean, even I knew like you weren't calling all the shots there. And so when it comes to, um, you know, someone who is transgender or a furry or whatever, even acting, uh, I mean, if they're acting on the line, then of course there's, there's a category for, for that. But when it comes to like loving someone, I, I, I don't know. I guess here's what I'm trying to say is I think that as Christians way too often we feel, well, first of all, I feel like most people err on the side of not loving and accepting and trying to just get that truth out. They yeah. just feel like they got to say it. Yeah. Like they got to yeah. say what they're disagreeing with. Every time they encounter something they disagree with, they feel like they got to say it. And I totally disagree with that. And then, and then if you, and then in, and then they also feel like, well, if you accept them or love them, then that just means you're accepting of their actions and everything. And I also disagree with that. I mean, there, it, love is going to win. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I feel too, like this idea of even just saying that love is going to win. Like in some ways it feels like the left has tried to like co-opt the idea of love, but yeah. they can't co-opt love because right. God is love. Right. You know what I mean? So love is like, this is bipartisan. This isn't like something the left got a hold of and gets to have love. And then we're over here stuck with truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not the way this works. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, you loving on kids that you may have disagreed with their philosophy or their beliefs or anything like that is something that in the long run is going to pay off because those, that is ultimately more powerful, I think, than you trying to let them know how you disagree with everything that you feel like, you know, you disagree with. Yeah. Well, I will accept um, that. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, all right. What else do we want to talk about here? You know, I wanted to ask you, I was curious. First of all, when I have people in this podcast, I just like to have basically a free flowing conversation. Like if we were just talking in person without the mics, um, but I always do think like, all right, it, this is a free flowing conversation, but also <laughs> I get, I get to ask kind of whatever question I want, you yes, know what I mean? And try to like mine for, for a little bit of gold here and there if, if I can. And this is a question that I wanted to ask you. Um, is there anything that you know as an educator that maybe the average parent does not know, but would be helped by knowing? I mean, because I know our kids go, I know what school our kids go to. I know mostly what grades they're in. I know some of their teachers' names. And every so often I make it to a school function. And, dude, that's about it. I'm not, like, keeping up here, like, daily and tracking along very closely. And when it comes to, like, the most involved and the least involved, I'm somewhere in the middle, if not all the way over to least involved. (laughs) (laughs) so i'm but this is like you're but you're the expert so is there things you know 
like as an educator, that the average parent could be helped by knowing? What is the secret sauce? That's why I don't do my podcast anymore because, you know, you say that. And I'm like, what is the secret sauce? Mm-hmm. Something that I think is always good to be reminded of as parents is that there's another side to the story. And oftentimes we get upset about something and we weren't there. We don't know. Sometimes the teacher wasn't there. So the teachers doesn't know. Some people, when they have an issue, they will bring it up right away. Some people will sit, 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 and then explode on you. It sounds big brother to say, but school, we are sending our kids to school where they, they spend more time at school than they do at home with us. So the idea that you have a strong school home partnership is vital and it's only going to make your child's experience better. And again, I, I say children because if you're 18 or under, I mean, I, you're, you're a kid. I don't mean that in any derogatory way to teenagers or anything, middle school kids like that. I think. So what I would say is if something happens as a parent and it makes you feel in a way where you're like, I don't know about this. Reach out, ask questions. Try to gather information because nobody, nobody who is an adult is trying, is going out of the way to hurt your child. But sometimes what we do hurts your child. And if that's happening, we want to know. We want to change that. We want to stop that. None of us want kid to have a bad day at school none of us are like how can i make this kid's day worse except for math teachers no offense math teachers, <laughs> <but> <laughs> math was tough and so i would just say be willing be willing to engage your kids teachers in a dialogue be willing to listen to them and be willing to Know your hills that you're going to die on and make sure you've got good lines of communication before you're like, all right, it's time to die on this hill mm-hmm. or else it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But no, that's not really like, ooh, secret. Mm-hmm. The property tax thing is important. Oh, man. So why do I love paying? Why do I love paying my property taxes? So the the really rural place where we lived, I think I stumbled over urban earlier. So we lived in this place. We had 10 acres. This was supposed to be our dream. Wendell Berry, you ever read any Wendell Berry? No. Okay, Wendell Berry, Kentucky farmer, writes fiction, essays. His book, Hannah Coulter, changed the course of my life as a 23-year-old man because my wife told me I needed to read it. Anyways, so we're out in the middle of nowhere. You can shoot your gun whenever you want. And I think there's someone in our house. So I call the police and it goes to voicemail. And that was the day I said, whatever I have to pay for property taxes, I want to pay them. So there's always somebody at the police department who will be like, hello, how oh, can I help yeah. you? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, you don't need infrastructure until you need it. Yeah. And then you really need it. Yeah. All right. So back on track, the number of kids you have 
in a public school determines how much money you get. And so it's not, it's not always fair. Mm-hmm. So you want a really good school, you need to have a lot of kids or you need to have an awesome PTO. You need to have families that are willing to, to fund some stuff to make it happen. Mm-hmm. One thing we didn't talk about is homeschooling. Do you think homeschooling is a viable option too? If you have the right, if if you have the right, um, I'm a things in place. I'm a school guy, so okay. it's like I don't love, I don't love homeschool. I don't think there's anything wrong with homeschool. I think the pro where where homeschooling becomes a problem is when you decide that you're going to homeschool your kid for a long time, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to put them in high school. Sometimes that's a really rough transition. Okay. Um, I like, the reason I like school is because I like all of the interactions. I like the messiness. I like the relationship component. Like my wife and I, we had talked a lot of t- uh, a while ago just about different options and things. And, you know, it's even like COVID. Can we, you know, just hit the road with our kids and just like homeschool our kids. Cause we've got some cousins, they homeschool their kids. It's mm-hmm. awesome. I yep. look at their life all the time. Just like, that is fantastic. That's fantastic. But that's the path that they're on. Yeah. I think it gets messy when you're like homeschool, Montessori school, public school, private school. It's like, okay. They're just different. Just jumping around too much. Yeah, that it's can different. be a negative to that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You yeah. just have to have the right relationship with your kids in order to homeschool. Yeah. Is the thing. And it's like, Miley's ain't going to do that. Okay. Yeah. And I think you have to have a parent or the parents who are, who are doing it right. Yeah. You know, thankfully my wife and I are on the same page with this, but we just both know that we would be equally as bad. It's just homeschooling is just not an option for us. I mean, we would, we would be horrific. We'd be the worst, the worst homeschool parents. No, it would not bring us joy. It would would be awful. Hey, homeschool Um, some of that bakery stuff coming out of this house that's yeah yeah well we can look mariana can bake some mean sourdough bread oh but she has gosh. no business teaching our kids I'll there is that nothing <laughs> that comes out of that kitchen that i've heard or seen or tasted that is not fan flippantastic yeah well she's talented that's her talent she's talented making food and she has a good taste for it she loves to do it she taught me how to enjoy food when i was when we first got married i just ate to li- i just ate as sustenance it was like yes. utility to me and and I still eat like that during the day um, or even at night a lot of times too. But there, there's, she opened up a category for me, which is like enjoying really good food. And I just, I just didn't, which is weird to say, but till probably my mid twenties, I just, it's almost like I didn't taste, I guess, maybe I didn't have enough of good food, not a knock on my mom, but, um, but yeah, Mariana like got me into like, she turned me into kind of a little bit of a foodie because there's nothing. I mean, it's it's like our favorite thing to be like go enjoy together. Yeah, it's just go eat. Yeah, she and I can just go eat food. We're happy. But yeah, she. I think it helped that she was raised Amish. She got that young start, and I think that helped. And then she just yeah, that's her neck. But yeah, I was homeschooled one year as a kid because our little church school couldn't find a teacher. And so we were homeschooled, and I hated it. I hated it. I hated it with a passion, man. And so thankfully, the next year we had another teacher, and we got to go back to school, and that was very good because I would have been a very bad 
homeschooling would have been a very bad option for me. Yeah, okay, I think here's what I don't like in school. I think this is a pet peeve. I think it, it I think it bothers me. I don't like I think I've I've talked a lot about schools hopefully presented in a way of you need to go and find engage with the school. Your school is going to provide options and opportunities for your kid, good and bad. I think what I don't like is when parents are running away from something and it's I I'm scared. I don't want my kid no, I not if I say I don't want my kid, that totally talks out of both sides of my mouth. I do that sometimes. If I'm scared that my kid's gonna get I don't know, I've got daughters, so it's like, well, if my kid goes to this school, they're gonna get raped. It's like, no, that's no. But then if I think, well, if I put my kid in a Christian school, they're not going to be exposed to drugs. They're not going to be exposed to boys that are going to want to try to have sex with them or girl, or, or guys that they're going to want to try to have sex. I'm going to be able to keep them safe and sheltered in this bubble. That's a lie. Right. That's a lie. Yep. And I think a lot of schools and school reputations are birthed out of this lie that I can relax I don't have to worry about my kids. I don't have to be engaged. I can just check out. And I, that drives me crazy. That drives me crazy. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because that, that does seem like an important thing. So you're saying if the idea is to um, s- sort of homeschool or keep your kids out of school as a way to, like, get away from something, maybe that's a less better reason. Yeah. But if you have a particular lifestyle or teaching style or something like that, you're looking to instill in your kids, like you're going for something. That might yeah. be a better argument for Absolutely. homeschooling. There was a lot more homeschooling going on in Tennessee than upstate New York. I'll tell you that much, man. When we moved down here, um, you know, I think we were sort of acclimated to some of the homeschoolers, not all of them in upstate New York even, for sure. Some of my friends were homeschooled, but some were kind of weird. And when You we said mo- it, not me. Yeah. I, I did not say that. Some of them were, dude. And when we moved to Tennessee, it was like way more, it was way more common. Homeschooling is way more common. Yeah. And then you started to bump into a whole bunch of them that aren't weird at all. And um, <laughs> I mean, that, that was, I, it was like, a, it was, I mean, to their credit, we moved down here and we bumped into a whole bunch of homeschoolers that weren't weird at all, for sure. And um, so there's a lot more happening. I think it might have something to do with the state too, because oh, yeah. New York is not very friendly to that type of thing um, at all. All right, man. Um, and you had quite the day. I think we were talking about this before we, <laughs> the podcast started, but you went to the office, you went to school this morning what you were there by six forty-five. I left the house at six forty-five, So I was there at seven, I was there at seven. And then I left school at, uh, yeah, like seven after drama practice was over and stuff and yeah went home for 15, 15 minutes, minutes. And came to the podcast dried the babies off took them out of the bath uh-huh tucked them in told my wife hey i'm going yeah here well, i am well you had a long day thank yeah. you very much for being here this I, is I really fun. i'm sorry it. i was so dramatic it. about trying to get this happen oh it was fine it Look was it like happens. a month and a minute yeah because i keep track of that stuff uh-huh. how late i am yeah it, it, it oh yeah you were yeah you said your eta was eight eight oh one um, but no, it's fine. People reschedule all the time. That's not an issue at all. Um, anything it. else you want to talk about on the podcast here while we got you? I love Jesus. Mm. 
I love Jesus and I have learned so much. The, the thing that I've recently been doing a lot of reading and studying is on the idea of the Trinity. And I used to be like, God creator, the creator is, that's just, that's the end all be all. And it's God at first and foremost is a father. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I just, it gives me so much hope. The fact that what Christ says, what is the first command, the first and most important commandment? Love the Lord your God. And what is the second? Love your neighbor. The reason that we can love our neighbor is because God is love and because he shows us and because as our loving father, he's there for us. And man, that's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it really, I mean, it really is something. It really is something. I was just talking recently about, you know, the the Christian faith, if you get rid of all of the secondary stuff that people like to attach to it, it is like the best, it's the best case scenario for why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, what all this means, you know? So, yeah, I resonate with that for sure. Yeah, Love your kids well. Mm -hmm. Take care of your wife, honor your vows. There's a lot of loser deadbeats out there. We cannot be that way for our kids. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. That's, that's about... Um, from the principal. From the principal. <laughs> oh, before I let you go, how long have you been dressing real nice? Because you've been dressing sharp at Creve Hall the entire time you've been there. And I mean, you look, you look I mean, great, man. This is a this is a very good-looking outfit. I don't... Uh, well, I mean, I do have to push back a little bit. Um, I do dress like a dork. Suits... Not the like the best fitting, not the most modern cuts of suits. I wear suspenders because I kept forgetting to wear belts. So when I was a fifth grade teacher, three other guys and I, we would run like five miles, three days a week. And we, we had this cold, janky shower that we would jump into. I loved it. I mean, I would pay 500 bucks to go back in time machine and just relive one of those days anyways wait what were we doing you were running with five guys and jumping in the shower yeah so that probably didn't translate well so we were all teachers at this school we would run in the morning we'd get there early run in the dark oh wow that is cool and we did it for like three years and so we were just really really tight and then just showered in like the busted shower down there so i had to pack all my clothes and i was always forgetting a belt and the kids were like where's your belt so I was like, oh, I'll show you kids. And I took I took a piece of brown paper and I made a belt out of it because I thought nobody is going to be able to tell that this is a piece of paper. <laughs> and that lasted about two seconds. Uh-huh. And these fifth graders were like, you're such a loser. You have paper. I was like, I'm not a loser. You're a loser. <laughs> so then I was like, I need to get rid of this belt thing. I need to be non-belt. And when you wear suspenders, you never have to think about a belt. Uh-huh. It's a built-in belt. Um, and then bow ties was because I uh, used to wear ties. And then also fifth grade, and we had, we used to call it severe and profound room. So kids with just severe, severe uh, mental disabilities. And we had a kid who would just go. So he was in eighth grade. Um he was, gosh, he was probably 6'3", six, 6'4", three, six, 300 plus pounds. And I mean, this kid, you could just see it. You could see his pupils just.
chest dilate and he was gone and he would just get violent and i i mean when you know talk about like demon possession type stuff i don't think mental illness is demon possession but i think sometimes there's some it was just like there was darkness anyways so he got a hold of my tie once and I said, I need some more distance between me and some hands. And so I learned how to tie bow ties. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, you were wearing a tie. Yeah. Yeah, like necktie. Oh. Yeah. And, and it was like, too easy to grab. Oh, man. You he got like, it. And I was like, this is bad news bears for me. Yeah. Bad news bears. So, yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. That's when you switch to the bow tie. Wow. Because I know some guys that don't like to wear tie for self-defense reasons. Like, I mean, that makes rope sense. Rope around your neck and... Yeah, working in the machine will just suck you in. Yeah, exactly. I these are like machine hands. Yeah, I don't know if you work in machinery yeah. like I do. Yeah, I, yeah, I see that. I see that. All right, man. Will you go um, get some sleep? Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Really awesome. appreciate it. Appreciate it. This yeah. is fun. Appreciate it, man. All right, bye everybody. Try to catch me howling at the moon.